Hey, Heritage family, we welcome you to worship today, wherever you're joining us from as we press into God's presence together. You know, throughout this conversation of grit and our new year, we've been invited into practices of mind, body, spirit, and community. And today, we're inviting you to be aware of your body, to be fully present with God and one another in this moment. A helpful way of doing that is simply to breathe to fill our lungs with air as a reminder that the very breath in our lungs is breathed into us by God himself who gives us life. And so I invite you now, breathe. Fill your lungs with air. And a practice that's helpful in doing this and helping us be fully present with God is something called breath prayer. It's where as we breathe, we pray a simple prayer. Today, I'd like to invite you to pray what's called the Jesus Prayer, which is simply this, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. So would you pray that with me as we breathe together? Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And with this same breath in your lungs, declare the worship and praise of the risen Jesus, who is here with us and who invites us into more than we can ask or imagine. So let's worship together.
Jesus is waiting. God so loved the
Well, my friends, I hope you were able to cling to that declaration that we just sang about. Asking God to be our vision, to be our, our everything, to be the one that our souls delight in. Now, I personally just love that song because it always reminds me that I so desperately need the wisdom, guidance, and leading of Holy Spirit in my life. But it also reminds me that not only does Holy Spirit guide us, but also walks with us. Now, even when our, our vision is unclear, even when we feel unstable or lost, God is always near to us. Now, I don't know about you, but I so need that reminder in the midst of life storms and struggles. But I want, to, I want us to read a prayer together in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to give you a moment to speak with God, to come before Him and ask that He and He alone be your vision, so much so that nothing else could interfere from allowing God to be the ruler in your life. Now, I know that in the midst of uncertainty and struggle, it can be really challenging to see beyond our current circumstances. But the truth that we have sung about today is that God is near and he wants to give you his wisdom. So now take a moment just to invite Holy Spirit into all the areas of your life and ask that he would give you his sight, his wisdom, and his strength. Now, would you join me in saying this prayer? And may it serve our church body this week in reminding us to seek Jesus with all that we are, asking him to guide and lead us throughout our week. Lord, we are here today with open hands and an open heart, ready to depend on you to help us through the day and all it will bring our way. Help us come to you for guidance, strength, provision, and protection. And as we face tough choices and hard situations, would you help us remember our belovedness? Help us remember that we are your children and your representatives to the world around us. Help us live this week in a way that brings honor to your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hello, friends. I am so grateful to get to wrap up this five-week conversation that we've been having about grit. We couldn't think of a better way to start out 2021 than really walking out a conversation about what does it look like to be a people who embody holy grit active in our lives. Um, and so if you've missed any of those conversations, I want to encourage you to go to heritageqc.com. You can click on the watch tab and get caught up in the journey that we've been on. But just to make sure that we're really in the same headspace about what we're talking about with grit, 
We have talked about courage and perseverance and resilience. Last week, Pastor Sean talked about metal as a key component of grit, and he defined it this way. A person's ability to cope well with difficulties or to face a demanding situation in a spirited and resilient way. Let's see, uh, have any of us encountered any difficult or demanding situations in the past several months? I don't know about you, but I sure have. And so I'm finding this conversation and an invitation to cultivate grit in my life, to be timely, to be practical, um, and to be really relevant to everyday life. And I hope that you're finding it to be as well. You know, in the natural, we all have a, little, have a certain amount of grit. And maybe some people have a little bit more than others. But, but really what we've been talking about is this opportunity that we have in the supernatural. That as we as Christ followers live surrendered to the power of Holy Spirit at work in our lives, we get to experience a tenacity. We get to experience the opportunity to be all that he wants us to be and to do all that he has for us to do. You know, to fully live into the supernatural grit that we're invited into as Christ followers, it's going to take moxie. And I love this word. It's kind of old school, but I think it captures much of the essence of what it means to exercise grit. And so when we talk about moxie, we're talking about someone's force of character, their determination, their nerve, their resolve to dare greatly. You know, as we've been on this journey and we've been looking at Scripture and and just looking at the life of Jesus, I've been reminded um, of a famous speech uh, given by President Teddy Roosevelt the year after he finished his term in office. And, And it's called The Man in the Arena. And I thought thought that this would be great imagery for us as we wrap up this conversation around grit and specifically moxie today. On April 23, 1910, Teddy Roosevelt gave what would become one of the most widely quoted speeches of his career. It was called Citizenship in a Republic. Before we get to the the part that maybe we're more familiar with, um, Roosevelt talked specifically to the cynics. The cynics who looked down at men and women, people, who were trying to make the world a better place. And he said this, The poorest way to face life is to face it with a sneer. A cynical habit of thought and speech, a readiness to criticize work, which the critic himself never tries to perform, an intellectual aloofness, which will not accept contact with life's realities, All of these are marks, not of superiority, but of weakness. I just want to stop there for a second and just invite us to consider what is our posture, our heart, our attitude as we're observing the world around us. You know, you don't have to be on social media very long to to really find a hotbed of cynicism and critique Um, Of all the things, I don't care if it's professional sports and the critique of the coach or the quarterback or um, the the public health system or educators or law enforcement or pastors in churches, uh, religious institutions, pick an arena, um, but people are so quick to criticize. And I want to invite us as Christ followers 
to consider a different way. I don't see anywhere in Scripture where Scripture is inviting us to have a cynical, critical heart that is tearing people down. No, we're, we're, the Scriptures talk about spurring one another on toward love and good deeds and all the more as you see the day approaching. That's our invitation. And so while cynics and criticals are plentiful in the world right now, I want to invite us as Christ followers to offer a more loving, grace-filled way of of relating to other people, of being invitational um, in our posture, of considering others better than ourselves. Now, after he's addressed the cynics, he goes on to talk about the man in the arena. And Roosevelt said this, For it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends themselves in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if they fail, at least fail while daring greatly, so that their place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Brothers and sisters, Church family, I just want you to know that that your heritage ministry team has left it all uh, on the field. (laughs) We have been in the arena. Um, We have not served perfectly over these last 10 months. We have have made errors, but I want you to understand that we have have really, to the best of our ability, um, fought for a worthy cause, which we believe is kingdom. And so we've done new things. Um, we've been way out of our comfort zone. Um, we've had to demonstrate metal and moxie, and we've done it gladly and willingly because we love you and we love Jesus. And we always want to be willing to do everything and anything that he asks us to do. Part of the reason that we're motivated to live this way is because Jesus is our example. He is the ultimate man in the arena in both the physical realm and the spiritual realm. Fully God and fully man. I think that the scriptures, when I read it, I believe that they're full of invitations for us as followers of Jesus to embrace the arena space no matter what it costs. For some of us, this is going to mean that We need to embrace our vocation or our work as a sacred calling and an invitation to kingdom work. For others, it means we need to dare greatly by choosing to spend our lives in more worthy, eternal pursuit. For others, it means we just need to choose to enter the arena, maybe for the first time, and stand with Jesus. Friends, today we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to be looking at a group of people who found themselves as individuals, but also as a church, needing to decide if they were going to stay in the arena because it was costing them everything. 
Let me give you some of the background on Hebrews just to make sure that we're understanding the context that this was written in. This was a letter written to um, a group of Jewish believers. So they were, they were Hebrews. Um, they had practiced Judaism, but they, they had really been captivated by the message that Jesus had come as the ultimate sacrifice. He was the high priest to pay the sacrifice once and for all, and they had become followers of Jesus. Now, they lived in Rome, and that was a big deal at that time because it was written during the persecution of Nero. And if you know anything about that bloody time of Roman history, Christians were literally being put to death in the arena, torn apart by lions, um, hung upside down on crosses, burned at the stake. And so to be a Christian was really costing them. And so they were actually struggling with, maybe we should go back to the Mosaic Law and the Old Testament covenant. Maybe we shouldn't, maybe, maybe that Jesus thing isn't really for us. Because Judaism was protected, was a protected religion um, in that time in Rome. But Christianity was still, it was this new way. And so they found themselves in this in-between, and they were walking in a way that had not yet been walked, and it was costing them everything in many cases. And so this Hebrews 10, we're going to pick it up in verse 32. It's really this encouragement to them, but there are so many things we can glean from us, for, for us. In verse 32, think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. And I just want to pause there. I think for so many of us, we just need to go back to the beginning of our salvation experience and remember, what were we saved from? What did our rescue look like? Who would we be without Jesus? And let that be a point of, of rekindling our love and affection for Jesus, of rekindling our motivation that other people would experience that same kind of rescue. Remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and you were beaten. And sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. And when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew that there were better things waiting for you, things that will last forever. Now, friends, we can't identify with that level of suffering and persecution most of us listening to this, to this message and, and reading the scripture, we just haven't experienced that level of persecution and suffering. But you know what? We have brothers and sisters around the world that are. And so let this be a reminder to us that, that the things that, that we endure are nothing compared to what other uh, sharing in the fellowship of the sufferings, I guess, of our brothers and our sisters and our friends. And so Praying for them is important. Advocating for them is important. But also living um, firmly rooted in our temporal, but with, a, with, a, with eyes for eternity. That we don't take our temporal experiences and, and, and they mean everything because they don't. Because what really matters is what happens in eternity. There are better things waiting for us that will last forever. Verse 35, so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. 
for in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, come, and my righteous ones will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Amen. Let it be so with us. I want to read verse 39 in another translation because I, I think the imagery is powerful for us. In the ESV, it reads, But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So what are some takeaways for us from this passage of Scripture as we look at, at a church um, that was struggling to figure out what did it mean for them to be on mission for God together? And could they really keep paying that cost? And, and if individuals abandoned their fellowship, what would that mean for, for their mission and their community? So here's the first one. Remember your own salvation story. It is a costly gift of grace. Number two, Choose patient endurance and live your life with urgency in light of Jesus' return. There is an urgency to the temporary that we are experiencing because we know, we know that eternity is coming. And here's the third invitation. Don't shrink back. Friends, we've all been living in this period of pause that, that COVID has, has kind of forced upon us. For a lot of us, our rhythms have been disrupted and we have been in retreat. And for some of us, th this was a good and right decision. We needed to retreat for, for our health, for the health of a loved one. Um, maybe our work rhythm caused us to need to retreat. Um, we, needed to, we needed to embrace that space um, for what it was. But here's what I want us to remember. Retreat is a strategy. Employed wisely, retreat is the way you win a war because you can't win all the battles. And so in retreat, you gather your resources, you recalibrate, um, you, you enjoy the safety of the moment that you're in, but retreat is not meant to be a lifestyle. And friends, we are called in, into, into a movement of God that is a forward-moving uh, thing. The kingdom of God is advancing. And so while for many of us there has been a time of retreat, the time, the time of moving forward and not shrinking back is here. And so I want you to think about where are you tempted to shrink back? Maybe it's just leaving your home. Maybe it's leaning back into a relationship that got fractured in this last season. Maybe it's just resuming life rhythms, things that are healthy for you, like going to the gym, um, engaging with community, being present um, in church with, with brothers and sisters. Whatever those rhythms are, we are, we are getting to a space um, as a culture, as a society, as a nation, where some of these life rhythms we're going to need to pick up again. And so the invitation is for you to not shrink back. Moxie is not just for the ancients, for the apostles, for Jesus. It is the way of the Christ follower. Friends, it's when we give Jesus his rightful place in our lives and we allow him to be our high priest that has paid the sacrifice once for all, then this is when we get to experience that supernatural grit where we demonstrate our mettle and we experience moxie and we're able to risk greatly for the kingdom. 
If you've never experienced that personal relationship with Jesus and you're just like trying to like gin up more natural grit, um, we would love to walk a journey with you into that space of surrender, into that space where Holy Spirit can work in your life and you can experience supernatural grit. If you're interested in a conversation about what that could look like, you can text FAITH to the number on the screen, and, and we would just love to have that conversation with you. We celebrate last week that we were able to do that with someone, and um, we celebrate every time that happens, and we're praying uh, for the people who've made decisions to follow Jesus um, throughout these last several months. So friends, how do we sustain ourselves in the development of grit? You know, Isaiah 40 tells us that even the young people are going to get tired. And I don't know about you, but I don't feel very young these days. And so I'll admit, I'm tired. Um, But those who trust in the Lord, those are the ones who will renew their strength, will soar high in wings like eagles, will run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. That all sounds great. But the reality is we've got to choose to live as holy, gritty people. And so there's four practices we're going to talk about um, in the next few minutes. And I'm going to give them to you, and then I want to share an experience that kind of illustrates them, and then we'll unpack those practices a little bit more. So here they are. Be willing to be first. Be willing to do your part on a team. Embrace kingdom risk as part of your lifestyle. And don't shrink back. Keep choosing the gritty way. So many of you know um, that I had the opportunity uh, to serve our country as a captain in in the military intelligence corps in the United States Army. And it's one of the great honors and privileges of my life to be a third generation uh, veteran of the armed services. Um, And so before I was commissioned, I attended Wheaton College. I was part of the um, reserve officer training corps there for the four years that I was there. And in that journey, I was given the opportunity to uh, be a part of a team called Ranger Challenge. And it was, it was a pretty special invitation for me uh, because they had never had a woman on the team. And Ranger Challenge had been all male everywhere um, up to that point. And uh, our team decided that we were ready to explore what it would look like for me to be integrated into the team. Now... The team, uh, really our purpose for gathering as a team is that we would engage in an infantry competition. And so it's taking common skills that infantry soldiers would need to know, like throwing grenades and assembling an M16 and M60 in a bucket and uh, building a rope bridge and doing land navigation and taking a physical fitness test. And so there were things that we did individually that in a competition, our score would count and they would take like the top five scores or the top seven scores or something like that. Um, but then there were also, there were team components where um, the team itself needed to collectively do something and we were rated on that. And so um, we worked through kind of everybody's con- contribution to the team. So one of the, you know, one of the things they counted on me for was to take the fitness test and max out on it so we would get maximum points for that. Um, I was also always the first one across on the rope bridge because I was the smallest and the lightest, and they could test if the biggest guy we had could actually make it across, or what were the weak points and where did they need to adjust uh, the rope. 
Um, so we would show up to a competition, and it would last about 30 hours, and it was continuous, and we would just go from one event to another. But the ultimate event of the Ranger Challenge competition was a grueling 10K road march with a 50-pound rucksack on our back. It was the very last thing. We'd been up all night. We were exhausted, tired, usually cold. Um, and so everyone was being pushed to the limits of their endurance. So every team had nine individuals, and the way this ultimate event worked is at the top eight uh, that crossed the line, that was what went towards the team score. So one person didn't have to cross the line, and maybe you can see where the story is going. Our team was very competitive, and we came to each competition to win. And so to do that, we all had to make sacrifices. And so my team would get to the start point, and within about a quarter mile, they would leave me behind. My job was to stay on the course and keep moving just in case someone got hurt or they didn't have something when they got to the end and had the inspection of their rucksacks. Then my arrival would be needed uh, to register a score. You know, sometimes moxie and metal mean that we just stay on the course. We aren't spectacular doing it. We're just staying in the fight because that is our faithful task for what can be. Friends, I know this to be true, that kingdom possibilities always require sacrifice to be fully realized. You know, sometimes moxie means that we dare greatly, and it feels and even looks like losing. But if it's in pursuit of the kingdom goal, it's worth it. Matthew 10, 38 and 39 talks about it this way. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake, they will find it. You know, I never got to finish a road march in competition. My team would finish, they'd go through the inspection, and then they'd send out the sag wagon for me so I could save my body for the next time we had a competition. Those were lonely experiences, but ones that were possible because I was part of something greater than myself. I was sacrificing for my team to win, and when we did, we won state that year, and we won a regional competition that year, and we went to a national competition. The first team to have a woman on the team won all the things. But here's what I want to say about being first. I could not have been first without a team that was willing to support me in being first. Friends, I think our invitation with Jesus is to be first. Be first to risk in relationships, to blaze a path for a generation not yet born, to be first to break cycles of generational sin in your family story. Be first to share the good news of what Jesus has done in your own story with the people around you. Jesus went first while we were still sinners. He died for us so we could know and experience Love. Be first. Number two, be part of a team. You know, I already mentioned there was, there was no opportunity for me to be first without a team that was willing to be a part of that journey with me. One of the opportunities that we have in being part of a church family is that we are the sum total of our parts. And so we get to experience, even in this last season, people with gifts of mercy and compassion caring for others and our body by 
calling elderly people weekly, by delivering medicine to people who need it, by picking up groceries for people, by writing cards of encouragement to people. So many beautiful expressions of love and support have been demonstrated within our body as you have cared for each other. We've benefited as a body and as a team from those who have been blessed with financial means as they've generously given to others within our body in need. We had several people this last round of stimulus checks just say, hey, I just want to donate that check to somebody in need because I know that our church is caring for people in need. How beautiful when the body reaches out to care for people in need. We experience the blessing of prayer warriors who have labored in the heavenly realms on behalf of all of us. We've gotten to serve our community in tons of tangible ways as you've connected in your place of vocational calling, whether that's a school or a hospital um, or a fire station or a police station. We get to walk with people as they take their last breath and as they celebrate the arrival of new life. We don't all get to do all the things, but together we experience the beauty of a community on mission together. Friends, it takes courage and sacrifice to be willing to live into our part on the team. Third thing, no risk, no reward. This is perhaps more true in the kingdom space than any other. Comfort and kingdom never seem to go hand in hand, and the enemy of grit is ease and comfort. Number four, don't shrink back. Retreat should only be temporary. It is never meant to be a permanent state. Friends, for the Christ follower, it is so important that we keep our eyes focused on what is true victory and what is actually defeat. Yes, it's true. Jesus is the ultimate victor, and he invites us to live a life of victory. But you see, ultimately, that victory is an invitation for us to sacrifice all, our comfort, our preference, our rights, all, so that much can be made of Jesus in our lives. This season has illuminated much about people. Who is the critic? And who is the one willing to be in the arena, spending themselves in a worthy cause? There is no more worthy cause than the cause of Christ, but it will require grit, friends, supernatural grit to keep us advancing in that cause together. I want to encourage you over the next few weeks, Pastor Sean's going to be walking us through an awesome conversation about ecclesia, What does it mean to be a church who lives as the called out ones, part of a team together on mission? You are not going to want to miss it. Let me pray for us that God would give us all the grit we need, um, not just for this day, but for this year and whatever it holds. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Spirit, we cannot do this without you. We don't want to do this without you. We pray that you would work in and through us, that you would help us to to surrender to your purposes for us, to your plans for us, so that we can experience all that you want us to be and all that you want us to do, not just as individuals, but as a church, a community of believers who who love each other and who are passionately in love with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Turning back. 
Christ is enough for us. And part of how we can declare that is knowing that Jesus has gone first. He has gone ahead of us in every way. I'm so grateful for that and our invitation to be people of moxie as we live with grit, confident that Jesus has gone before us and we can trust him and go where he leads. You know, sometimes we have different spaces and places in life where we need a little help living with Moxie, where we need to be reminded of where Jesus has gone ahead of us in places like healing, recovery, forgiveness. And so we want to invite you into a series of conversations we're having live in person at our Bridgepoint location on Monday nights for those who have been through a divorce or grieving journey. These are support groups that involve people who are on a similar journey with you where you can speak life and truth and hope to one another and receive the opportunity to live into greater healing than ever before. Maybe you're not ready for an in-person group yet, and that's okay, because it's not too late to connect with us in virtual environments, like the together conversation we're having with families this week. Opportunities to help us discern and declare our purpose and values as families. We also want to invite you to join us in person at our Rock Island and Bettendorf locations. Rock Island on Sundays at nine o'clock in the morning and Bettendorf at 11 o'clock in the morning. In the meantime, know that we are praying for you. We're asking for God's very best as you seek him first. We'll see you soon.